several miles off the main highway, tucked away in a secluded canyon on prime vineyard property, stands a rustic barn that was built many decades before the vines around it were planted. In that barn, a sophisticated broadcast and recording studio has been built. The barn also has a well-hidden root cellar stocked with many of the world's most exceptional wines, only to be shared with guests who secretly come to offer their insights and tell their stories. Guests are sworn to secrecy and are shuttled to the studio aboard a John Deere tractor. Those who cannot make the journey in person are interviewed by satellite hookup, and sometimes the crew simply sneaks away with microphones in hand and interviews guests in barrel rooms, wine cellars, and other magical places. All of this is done like clockwork every single week so that we can bring you another episode of Grape Encounters Radio. Peel me a grape Crush me some ice Skin me a peach Save the fuzz for my pillow And it is time for your weekly Grape Encounter. You know what? I could not be more delighted than to do the story that we're going to start out today's show with. You hear me talk a lot about pairing wine with unusual things. I mean, everybody talks about wine and cheese and wine and food. That is so passe. You know, I like to talk about pairing wine with things like music and art and other things that people don't realize that wine pairs very nicely with. But I never in a million years thought that there would be somebody out there that would draw the connection between wine and my profession, radio, and it's none other than Josh Phelps. Comes from an amazing family of winemakers who have made some of the greatest wines in world history. He's got his own thing going now, the Grounded Wine Company, and they have just released a brand spanking new wine. I'm probably one of the first to be able to talk about it, a new red wine from my neck of the woods, West Paso Robles, and it's called, believe it or not, Public Radio. And welcome, Josh, to the show. Thanks so much for having me. First of all, Public Radio. What gives? Yeah, I think, you know, when we when we started Grounded Wine Company, we just started releasing wines this year under Grounded Wine Company. This is a new endeavor. Growing up in, in Napa Valley and growing up in the wine business here, it's really kind of the theme of the company is this, this old California Americana. And, you know, radio being the kind of the most popular form of expression, I think there's just a, a, a boldness and a kind of a, a throwback feeling to it. A fun way to talk about our past robust wine, and, and to kind of top that off, um, there's there's my grandfather's call sign on the front label for his amateur radio. Oh, really? Kind of like his thing, yeah. So right on the front label is uh, is his call sign. So we we tied that into, and that's that's part of the story. Let's talk about growing up wine, because uh, your your dad has been involved with some of the most iconic wines, you know, and they remain iconic in mm. American wine history. Names like Camus and, and Dominus, you know, Camus to this day is one of my favorite go-to wines. You know, they do incredible things. You know, working uh, with the Wagner family sets a very, very high bar. And I guess working with your dad sets a very, very high bar as well. But, you know, it's pretty clear you're going in a in a very different direction. Tell me what it was like growing up and then and then tell me what's different about what you're doing from what your your dad has done and what he thinks about what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, growing up, I grew up in St. Helena. Um, my dad started his career. I mean, he went to grad school in Bordeaux, met a guy named Christian Moex, 
had a short stint at Petrus and in, in, in Bordeaux on the right bank and, and worked for Moex at a couple other properties before starting as the founding winemaker at Dominus Estate, um, just before I was born. And uh, so, I mean, those, you know, he made Dominus for, for you know, a dozen years and truly some epic, you know, throughout the 80s and early 90s. And 91 Dominus is probably still my favorite wine. And uh, and Tamus for kind of a decade after that, which you mentioned, and, and has gone on to consult. Um, he has his own brand called Advivon that I, I work with him on. Um, he consults for Inglenook and um, a handful of wineries, including now Grounded Wine Company, which is kind of fun. So I grew up with, you know, my dad, who was always focused on, for the most part, ultra premium Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa. And he's always had a style, it's, it's more of a restrained Bordeaux style, um, which is really the kind of wine that I, that I enjoy. And uh, I didn't really intend on necessarily going into the business. I didn't know what I wanted to do. But as I was finishing up school, it became evident that I wanted to, to go that route. And I, I, really, I really also enjoy the business side of it. And I was more intrigued by making like accessible wines, wines that were going to be attainable to a larger audience. So after school, I worked for Joel Gott, who's a, a kind of a longtime mentor and friend. Sure, yeah. I, I did a stint for him. And it was interesting because I, I got to experience, this was when he was a bit smaller than he is now, but, you know, making affordable wine, but truly at the highest level. And I was really impressed at, at what they were doing for making, you know, $15 bottle of wine, but super high quality. So I kind of have combined my experiences and I, I you know, I, I like to, I, I really do enjoy focusing on more affordable wine. Not all my wines are affordable, but for the most part they are. And, um, but combining that with that high end experience and it, involving my dad now, I think we're really upping our game and we're, I think we're making pretty tremendous wines, you know, in that, in that $20, um, $25 wheelhouse, which I think is accessible for a lot, a lot more people than say a hundred dollar wine or even, even, even my Cabernet, which is $65, you know, so, so, cheap, so when you're working on a wine, I, well, I, I'm imagining that your dad has, you know, been there with you, you know, as you go through the process, but are there moments where he says, you're not really going to do that, or maybe you should do it this way, Josh, or, or does he say, wow, th- you know, this is something I hadn't thought about? Yeah, no, I mean, for the most part, we're in agreement. It's it, The wines, I, there's not really any, like, you know, modern technique. It's not, our approach to winemaking is very classic and traditional. So we're, we want, I, my goal is to make clean, balanced wines of place, traditional winemaking. We don't, we're not trying to make huge, modern, extracted, high-alcohol wines. And so we really have the same philosophy as far as what the end result's going to be. And uh, really, it's more of, you know, he's involved in all blending and, and a lot of major decisions. And But a lot of it's like divide and conquer. I mean, I make wine in Washington, Oregon, Central Coast, and Napa Valley. So, like, during harvest right now, it's like I'm going to go up to Willamette Valley next week, and he's going to have to run to the Central Coast um, because we're going to be picking, you know, at the same time in, in two locations that are far apart. All right, so he goes one direction, you go another. It's a lot of that's a lot yeah, of that's uh, a lot of territory to uh, cover, man. If you're going, you know, from the Willamette Valley all the way down to the Central Coast. Yeah, no, it is, and uh, it's it's more of an undertaking than I than I kind of imagined it would be. But you know, it's all about having good infrastructure in place, um, and I feel like we have that in in each of these locations. Um, we're working with great people, and we're working with great vineyards. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really, I think we're kind of, you know, we're really, 
kind of hitting it on, on all cylinders right now. It's, it's everything feels like, you know, we're achieving the quality we want to achieve and, and, um, we're having fun. So it's, it, it seems to be working. It is an undertaking for sure. Yeah. I, I, now, of, of course, you know, the reason we're talking to you, and by the way, we are talking to Josh Phelps. He is the founder and winemaker at Grounded Wine Company. They've just released a new red wine that I haven't had a chance to taste yet, which by the way, Josh, we're going to get those wines in here. I wanted to do the story, you know, ahead of uh, actually tasting them because uh, when I saw that the wine was called Public Radio, I had to jump all over that. In fact, I scrapped my story for this week for you. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, scrapped scrapped it completely. We were going to have Elon Musk come in here and drink wine until he couldn't stand up. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a, yeah. that's a yeah. little Elon Musk, maybe, Musk joke. Maybe, uh, maybe you can get him in there to drink Public Radio until he can't stand up. <laughs> Well, uh, you may have inadvertently named a wine after him. Your rosé is called Space Age, which yeah, I Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I want to and I, I want to talk about that too in just a second. We're going to take a, a quick break here, Josh. Josh Phelps, our guest today, couldn't be more happy to have him on. He's uh, doing some great things, and I just love his philosophies. We're going to get into that in just a second. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters and Josh Phelps from the Grounded Wine Company. Stay right with us. I want to do you a favor. Write down two words or get Siri or Alexa to remember them for you. The words are peak, that's P-E-A-K-E, ranch. Now, over the past 10 years that I've been talking all things wine, my product endorsements have definitely been few and far between. That's because I'm not just a wine journalist. I'm also a wine critic and a wine judge, and I've got a reputation. Not that kind of reputation. Anyway, the wines of Peak Ranch would easily win a gold medal from me in any blind tasting. They're a small boutique label making wines from grapes grown on one of California's most legendary properties. The Pinots, the Chardonnays, and Syrahs are going to absolutely blow your mind. And because Peak Ranch is a new name to most wine enthusiasts. They're priced well below the price they'll likely command as more and more of you see the remarkable scores and reviews they're getting from the world's toughest critics, including myself. Log on to PeakRanch.com, read their story, and buy a bottle or two or three. Each varietal is a masterpiece. Now, I've never had a single listener ever write me to say that they were not impressed with any recommendation I've made. These wines are huge winners. Get yours online at PeakRanch.com. That's P-E-A-K-E Ranch.com. The best way to avoid spitting wine is to avoid wines unworthy of being swallowed. David will be right back in a spit second. Oops, my bad. Make that split second. We like to talk about wine. Connecting winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson, broadcasting from our wine cellar studio in idyllic Atascadero, centrally located in the Central Coast wine country of San Luis Obispo County, California. 
Hey, back with Grape Encounters. I am your wine captain for the day, David Wilson. On the line with me is Josh Phelps, founder and winemaker at Grounded Wine Company. They've just released a new wine. It really strikes my heartstrings. It's called Public Radio. Now, I'm not, I guess I could say, Josh, that I'm on public radio because anybody can turn it on, but I think you're referring more to like NPR, correct? Yeah, kind of just like the kind of the old school, like the idea of, you know, old school communication, classic way to communicate. I would say even most people in the wine industry attempt to communicate about wine or their wines. I feel like they're really out of touch with the consumer who's, uh, you know, getting lost in that conversation. It's not typically down to earth. I think as more young guys like yourself get into the, you know, into the business in a really big way, that's changing. But does it irritate you? Yes and no. I mean, I think a lot of people are very technical um, in the way that they communicate. And I think that that is confusing for a lot of consumers. I mean, you have to remember that even most people that are really into wine and enjoy wine, when it comes to like the technicalities of winemaking and and uh, and stuff like that, it, you kind of have to know what's relevant and what's not. And we definitely try to think about that when we're communicating, whether it's, you know, via social media, um, just the ways we reach our audience and, and how we're talking about it. And, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to dumb it down. Um, you also don't want to be, you know, elitist and, um, kind of, uh, I don't know, snobby, I guess, you know? Well, sometimes, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll stand in the tasting room and I'll see uh, the person behind the bar who's spewing their well-rehearsed speech about the wine because they've been told to do that. But I also see the consumer scratching their heads because uh, I often feel like that consumer is, is really, you know, they want to understand the wine. But what is more important to an awful lot of people who are drinking wine is why do I like this and how can I get more wine like this? Direct me to the thing that's going to give me the most enjoyment. I mean, I never look under the hood of my car. I don't know how it works, but I yeah. appreciate my car all the same. And I don't think I and I and I don't think I need to look under the hood. Yeah, I agree. I think that I mean, I, yeah, I think it's people. People want a story. People want to know what's behind it. They want to know it's authentic and has integrity. But I agree. And I mean, I think to me, it's like the way I buy wine. You know, is is I I. I purchase wine through sources I trust. You know, I have local wine shops that, that I go to and restaurants I go to and I, I let other people make the business for me, people that, that I trust to, to, you know, turn me on to new things and, um, I think that that's important. I think the idea of that small independent retail is still like such an important part of our business to me, um, as far as, 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 you know, as educating, educating people on, on cool new wines and, uh, all, all different types of wine. It's, it's really uh, interesting. There's a quote that's attributed to you. It says, uh, public radio builds off the idea that wine should be open to interpretation while maintaining a sense of quality and truthfulness. And then you go on to say the goal with grounded wine company is to show the full expression of a play and let the wines tell the story. Uh, we are launching this week an interesting new podcast called The Wine is Talking. And it's about oh, cool. really that very, very thing is, you know, let's shut up sooner than later and let the wine do the talking and express itself and uh, and, and let the consumer decide whether or not, you know, they love it and, and then, you know, leave it up to them to seek more knowledge 
you know, kind of what what public radio is all about to begin with. Totally. I, I, I completely agree with that statement. Yeah. Let's go on to some of the other labels that you have. Now, first of all, Space Age. I'll tell you, I had this really great feeling when I saw the label Space Age and I tried this wonderful um, rosé because, you know, of course, rosé for a long time was mal- maligned by a lot of people, definitely misunderstood by people. You know, it's just for girls. It's always sweet. You know, all of these misconceptions about rosé. And, you know, as we are in this very modern time that we live in, you know, we're seeing this explosion of rosé right yeah. now and people are suddenly discovering it. And and you put a name that would seem to be about as contrary to the old perception of rosé on this wine that there could possibly be. What was your thinking? You know, I, I, um, I totally agree with what you just said about kind of the explosion of rosé and it being, it's moving from being more feminine to being more universal. I love rosé. Um, this first year, you know, we, we made it from a single vineyard old, old vine Grenache in West Pass Robles. Super fun. This next year, we're making it from Santa Barbara, um, Monterey, and West Paso. So it's going to be Central Coast, a little bit more acid-driven. But um, so super excited where that project's going. Na- Naming-wise, you know, I was I, I work with a, a design team, marketing team, but we work really well together, and we have a lot of fun. And, and we wanted to do something that were, that was more of a universal label and not a feminine label, and something that anyone would think is fun to take off the shelf and just have fun with it. You know, that was kind of the wine that I said, let's just have, a, let's just have fun with this and, and do something cool and different, see how it goes. And we, we went back and forth a lot on that, on that name and package design. We almost got rid of it altogether. And then I ended up going back to the original and I couldn't be happier that we did. I, I absolutely love it's always love the, that. It's always the first yeah. idea. And, and as I recall that label, and I, I, I don't uh, have it in front of me, but it was kind of, you know, modern in one sense and Jetsons in another sense, you know? Yeah, you know, all, all of our packaging has a, uh, it's a, it's modern and contemporary, but it has this like old school nostalgia, um, prohibi- prohibition, um, nostalgic thing going on too, which I kind of is a, is a tribute to that throwback California or um, West Coast. And, uh, and then, you know, moving in that forward direction. And, and I think that, you know, that, that's how we started with Steady State and that, the Napa Cab blend. And that was our first release. And then we went to Collusion, the Washington Cabernet blend from Red Mountain and Horse Seven Hills and into Space Age and Public Radio. And we're, we're crushing, um, Pinot Noir and Willamette Valley, Oregon, organic Pinot Noir and Willamette Valley, Oregon. This harvest to add to the portfolio. So, you know, everything, everything kind of ties in thematically, uh, cause they all do have different names. So I don't want to be too confused. But I, but it, it's fun to have these different names and different concepts. And I mean, I don't know what's the point if you're not having fun with it, you know? Okay, I want to. We're, we're going to come back and talk for just a few more minutes, but um, I definitely want to jump all over the name collusion because I certainly know what it means. And two years ago, it would have had a completely different connotation than it has today. We're talking to Josh Phelps. He is the winemaker, founder of Grounded Wine Company, and they're getting great reviews on their wines. They're making wines at a really, really decent price, really cool wines, and I'm sure you can count on tremendously well-made wines with nothing crazy going on behind the scenes. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. At Grape Encounters, we're all about sharing. 
That's why it would be a crying shame if you didn't join our Facebook group page. Just search for Grape Encounters Radio on Facebook. It's where we're constantly sharing the latest wine news and information while you're waiting for your next episode of Grape Encounters. David will be right back as soon as he's through unfriending anyone who doesn't love wine. Oh, I guess it's going to be a very short break. Do, 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 do. Wine. Hi, this is Michael Mandavi. You're listening to David Wilson on Grape Encounters Radio. Welcome back to America's number one wine radio show, Grape Encounters, with David Wilson. Don't forget to join our Grape Encounters Radio Facebook group page, where incredibly fun people just like you share ideas and frequently get together to share a bottle as well. with Grape Encounters Radio and my special guest this hour, Josh Phelps from Grounded Wine Company. He's just released a brand new wine that's exciting to me. It's called Public Radio. I can't wait to taste it. I normally would not do an interview, Josh, before I taste the wine because there's always that outside chance that I might not like it, but I know that anything that comes from the Phelps family is going to be terrific. You would never let... Oh, you're too kind. You would never let your public down. I, I, I know that. And, and by the way, you have been on some amazing lists recently uh, the, the um, I'm trying to think of all of them the Forbes 30 under 30 winemakers to watch do I have that right yeah uh, yep. wine enthusiast 40 under 40 correct and there was one more, and I'm, do, uh, I'm doing this off the top the Zagat, of my head. The Zagat, Zagat 30 under 30. Man, that's fantastic. How old are you? I am 32. Okay. All right. There's, you're, you're cheating. I guess it's uh, 30 under the 30s. I, I got those. That was before. I was, okay. Yeah, <laughs> was, so, yeah. All right. <laughs> I read someplace uh, not too long ago that the most looked up word in, in the past year or so is the word collusion. And I always knew what collusion meant. But collusion has got a, a, a brand new connotation because of, yeah. uh, you know, what's going on in Washington. Was that an influence on the name? I, I'm, I'm going to say yes, but what's zero, your... zero influence on the name? Zero. Um, I, I trademarked that name before, before really? Donald Trump was president. Really? Wow. Yeah. Well, he's got a, you know, his son has a winery. They should, they should have come out with collusion. <laughs> I, I know. Yeah. Um, no, that was, we, we named it like, you know, going back to the prohibition, the idea of colluding to do something illegal. And it, it, it was appealing to the brand in, in Washington, the kind of wild west of Eastern Washington. That's where that name really came from. And, uh, Yes, it's become a buzzword. I don't know for the better, for the worse of the brand. Yeah. Um, but that well, I think actually, well, I think that's you, our largest production brand, and it's been it's been really, really um, well received. Now, I think uh, t- I want to give you a little legal advice here, Josh. I think you got a big lawsuit on your hands because you've got the president of the United States constantly bad mouthing your brand. How many times has he said no collusion, no collusion, telling people not to buy your wine? I think <laughs> exactly. I, you know, I. Think Think, uh, I think you've got it. All right, let's see. What did we forget about? Oh, yes, yeah, Steady State. Tell me what's in that. So Steady State is a blend of uh, it's Cabernet Dominant, 73% Cabernet Sauvignon. And then you've got the other four, do- four Bordeaux varietals, um, Malbec Merlot, Cab Franc and Petit Bordeaux in that order. Now, now these wines, are they're all, they're all vintage wines. Is that correct? 
Correct. In terms of AVAs, how how are how are the? I, I guess the uh, space age, for instance, would be Paso Robles. But you're blending. Uh, you're pretty much staying in the same regions, are you not? You're not. We ta- are. Yeah. We, we, produ- we produce and bottle the wines in those specific regions. Yeah. Okay. Yes, it sounds good. All right. So um, here's here's I guess um, what I'm wondering most from you. You know, as we as a millennial, I guess we would call you a millennial. There's so much that's being written right now about how millennials are driving the market. I've heard some winemakers, including some very big names who probably wouldn't want me to say this, say that, you know, they're almost writing off, you know, the baby boomers at this point in time. Is that wise? Is that happening? As far as the customer base? Yeah. No, I think, I mean, I still think that that, that the baby boomer generation is a very important customer base. I mean, I think the millennial generation is, is definitely going to be super important. But at this point in time, especially with premium wine, I think that generation is still per- still has a lot of purchasing power. I just did a um, an interesting piece with a, a friend of mine. I, I, you probably know Adam Lazar. I know the name. Yeah. Why do I know that name? Oh, um uh, Adam Lazar uh, made uh, Rex Goliath. He made um, yeah, 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 Cycles Gladiator. Some some very iconic uh, blends. Part of the conversation that we had was talking about the boom in blending, and it, it seems to me like there's no place where that's going on more and more creatively, I should say, than in the uh, than on the Central Coast. Give me your thoughts about blending right now, because, you know, it wasn't that long ago that, you know, single varietal wines that probably weren't really single varietal wines dominated the shelves. But now winemakers are absolutely going crazy with blending. Your thoughts on that? I, I mean, your blends are, 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 are seem to be pretty restrained. But yeah. do you have that? Do you have the Do you have the desire to to go pretty far out at some point? I mean, well, it's, it's, it's all about making the best wine that you can possibly put in bottle. So if it, if it, you know, I have a set of tools and if I can, if I can enhance the wine by including, you know, different varietals, I'm going to do that. Um, so it's not really like I'm setting out to make a blend. I'm setting out to make a singular varietal. It's just, I'm doing whatever I can in my power to make the best possible wine. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, no, no, it yeah. does. It does make sense. And I, and, and I take it also that, when it comes to the different varietals and wines that you're putting out, that you're going to let each year speak for itself? Correct. I mean, as, yeah. oppo- as, as opposed to, you know, there's so much tinkering that goes on, and not all, all, not all tinkering is bad, but so much tinkering that goes on that's kind of, you know, trying to, you know, keep that continuity so that, you know, a, a Kendall Jackson Chardonnay from one year oh, to the yeah. next tastes, you know, tastes, yeah. tastes similar or, or the same. But uh, I, I'm going to guess just, just, you know, feeling out your personality here that that would not be a priority for you. Yeah, we don't do anything to, to manipulate the wines or, or create that kind of continuity. It's everything's, you know, managed by, managed by vintage, what happens in the vineyard. So, so that someday down the, someday down the line, you can say, wow, our, you know, our 2017 was, you know, was exactly. amazing. Yeah. And, you know, the 18 wasn't as good. The 19 was totally unique and, and so on. So, uh, all right. Well, listen, Josh, I'm, I, I know you got to go, but I, I really appreciate you coming on. Now, I uh, talked to you offline during the commercial, and you made a commitment that you're going to come down and see us. Yeah, we'd love to do that. So we'll, uh, we'll definitely keep in touch on one of my upcoming trips. We'll make that happen. So uh, what I'm going to suggest uh, listeners do, if you would like to 
be in on that. We're going to, we will throw a really big barbecue, something like that, um, with Josh and have him come down. You can pick his brain, try his wines, uh, get to know him and have a really good time with us at the Grape Encounters Emporium. If you, if you're local, if you're, you know, out of state, you know, that's never stopped a lot of you. Uh, drop me an email. Just go to our website, grapeencounters.com and drop me an email and say, Hey, put me on the list and then we'll let you know what date we have set up and uh, you'll you'll get a first priority seating because I know that will that will fill up very very quickly in the meantime Josh people who are interested in the wines uh, where can they find them um, groundedwine.com groundedwineco.com is going to be yeah free shipping on a case um, but of course happy to you know promote your store as well yeah, well, we're going to have to get the, yeah, let's get the wines into Grape Encounters. We'll definitely do that. But in the meantime, you can go to Grounded Wine Co., like company abbreviated, dot com, and find the, the wines from Josh Phelps and Grounded Wine Company. And uh, they're, you know, they're not going to disappoint you. I guarantee it. And the prices are absolutely great. Josh? Thanks a bunch. I'll I'll see you down in Paso. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. And I'll see you down in Paso Robles. I know I've got some wine coming my way. And uh, so uh, our next conversation is going to be in person on the radio. And uh, we'll do a little sipping together, okay? Awesome, man. Appreciate it. Okay, very good. Hey, we'll be back with more Grape Encounters in just a bit. Thanks very much to my very special guest, Josh Phelps. We wish you the best of luck. Go out and try public radio. And if it's not in your wine shop, ask them for it. I know they can get it. When we return with our last segment of Grape Encounters Radio, I want to tell you a story about something that happened last night that was just so incredibly moving to me. It kept me up tossing and turning all night long. I thought about it all day today. It's one of those things that I probably would never have thought that I would talk about on Grape Encounters. You know, we try to keep this a, a lighthearted, fun show, but this is something that was really, really serious and deeply affecting to me and it made me realize just how incredibly fortunate I am and all the people that I work with to be able to enjoy such great wines and to talk about them. And I really thought about how much I personally take for granted the fact that I get to try almost any great wine anytime I want. I get to travel the world, meet really interesting people. My life isn't always easy, but it certainly isn't as hard as life can be for, for so many people out there. I've certainly had my ups and downs, but you know, my life has been mostly up. So I'm going to share a story about a person that I met last night under very unusual circumstances. And I think you're going to be really moved and touched by it. And maybe you'll think just a little bit about how lucky your life is as well. So we're going to be back with Grape Encounters in just a second. I'll share this story with you. We'll wrap up the show for the week and hopefully give you something to think about over the weekend and into the weeks that come. Connecting winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson, broadcasting from our wine cellar studio in the Central Coast wine country of San Luis Obispo County, California. Now, Grape Encounters with David Wilson continues. 
as we enter the home stretch of the show, I want to share with you a story that is really uncharacteristic of the kinds of things that we talk about on the show. It's actually a story that my conscience told me that I should really talk about. And it has to do with something that occurred last night. Now, in order to really understand what happened, I want to kind of give you the layout of the Grape Encounters campus. We're situated in a really pretty courtyard building that has a number of different businesses in it. We have the Grape Encounters Emporium, which is kind of a clubhouse for our listeners. In fact, thousands of you have come here from all over the country, and it was really a place for you to experience, you know, kind of what we talk about on the show. The courtyard is really conducive to doing all kinds of fun events, and we have them all the time. And on Wednesdays, we now host an event called Free Dog Night. That's F-R-E-E. Excuse the pun. And if you're young, you probably don't get it. But that aside, what we do is we cook up a whole bunch of different kinds of hot dogs and we pair them with wines. And last night we featured a gourmet dog, which was kind of an Asian twist on hot dogs. It had on it Canadian bacon. We used hot links instead of hot dogs. We had mayonnaise on it. We had this sauce from Korea, really delicious, pineapple. And what am I forgetting? Oh, yeah, perfectly ripened California avocado and pickled, not too hot jalapenos. So we had a good number of people that showed up for the event. The hot dogs are free. But just a kind of a twist on the things that we normally pair with wine. And I've had so many people say, really, are you serious pairing hot dogs with wine? Yeah, I'm serious. So it was a good night. And the night ended at about nine o'clock. And as I always do, I return to the studio and then I work on Grape Encounters and other shows that I produce as well. So I was in the studio and I heard some noise outside. And so I went to the door. It's a glass door. And just outside the door is a trash can where we had put all of the plates and uneaten food. And I saw a young woman there digging through the trash can. And I opened up the door and she jumped and immediately began to apologize. And she had a bottle of wine in her hand. It was an empty bottle from Artevino, which is made by our friend Tom Rodriguez. And it's got a beautiful label on it. And she looked at me and she said, I'm really sorry. She said, but I'm just fascinated by this bottle. And we talked for a little bit and she told me that she was very shy and very scared. And then she shared with me that she had been digging through the trash can, not just to find some bottles and cans to recycle, but also to find something to eat. And she said, you know, I don't like eating out of trash cans, but sometimes you have to do whatever you have to do to survive. I was really taken aback by her because she was incredibly presentable. She was not what I would consider to be even close to our vision of a typical homeless person. Her clothes were neat as a pin. She was very well groomed and her vocabulary clearly was that of somebody who was well-educated and had come from a pretty cultured family. You could tell by the choice of the words. So I asked her her name, and I'm not going to tell you her real name, but it was, you know, kind of an old English kind of name like Penelope. And she was dressed that way as well, as if she had lived 75 or 100 years ago. And I got a chance to really have 
an interesting exchange with her. And I immediately told her, I said, take the bottle. She had put it back in the trash can and she said, no, I can't do it. It's too beautiful. And I said, we're going to throw it away. And she said, no, I, I, I just don't feel right. And she said, oh, by the way, she said, you left your storage room door open. And she said, you might want to lock it. I went in there, but I promise I didn't take anything. And then she said, I- I've got to go now. Well, she had a backpack. She had file folders and, you know, blanket. I have no idea where she was off to, but she started to walk away. And I said, wait a second. I said, you're hungry. And she said, yeah. And I said, well, come with me for a second. And I went and unlocked the door to the Emporium and I grabbed everything that I could think of. I grabbed cheese out of our refrigerator, some charcuterie, you know, salami and prosciutto and those sorts of things. I didn't have anything really hot to give to her. And then I went and got some crackers, a soda and other things. And I loaded her arms with these things. But when I grabbed the cheese, I said to her, is uh, Swiss okay? And she says, yes. She goes, what do you think of brie cheese? And I said, well, I I love brie cheese. Would you like some brie cheese? And she said, "Uh, no. She goes, I only like it warmed and I have no place to warm it. And I said, well, okay, but if you'd like some, you can have some. No, that would be okay. Anyway, I uh, put the food in her hands and she thanked me and I told her, I said, anytime you're hungry, I said, please just come back here and ask. So why am I telling you this story? I'm telling you this story because I was really taken aback by, first of all, her fascination with the bottle. And it made me think long and hard about just how lucky I am. I get to drink great wine. I think probably most of you get an opportunity to drink good wine. The purpose of our show is to turn you on, in part, to wines that are not overly expensive for those who really don't have a lot of disposable income. And just to find joy in this amazing product that reflects our culture that is so important to societies all over the world. But all in all, it is a luxury. And I really felt very guilty about the fact that I have access to such a wonderful luxury, yet there are people who are barely scraping by. And in some cases, out on the street like this obviously well-educated young woman who will never get to enjoy the things that we get to enjoy. And, you know, as I actually tossed and turned in bed, I thought about the fact that she could have just as easily been on the road to becoming a sommelier or somebody working in the wine industry. She certainly seemed to have the intelligence and the aptitude, but something went very wrong for her. She definitely was not on drugs. She was very, very lucid, very, very smart, and very, very unlucky. So I want to just leave you with the thought that those of us who get to enjoy great things like tremendous food and wines and things like that, let's not forget about how privileged we are. And let's think about the fact that there are lots of people who fall into terrible situations. And, you know, sometimes that's not because of anything that they did, but just the luck that they have. So one of the things that we talk about in the wine business is how important it is to use wine for the opportunity to share. I'm going to simply suggest, don't just share your wine, share your time, share your love, share your help, buy a cheaper bottle of wine for the next 10 weeks and donate the difference to a homeless shelter. Use it for something good. Share the love and share the wealth. And thanks for giving me the chance to share this very heartfelt story. And we'll see you next week. 
You never know what part of the country or the world the Grape Encounters microphones will take you to. Don't miss a single experience. Your Grape Encounter isn't over. We're just taking a breather until next week's edition. 